You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody, to the trading deadline edition of FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. The trades are just flying in a really, really big one just within about the last two minutes. Uh, We'll certainly get to that. So clearly, trades will be a very big part of today's show, um, and I'll try to keep up with them and all the other news. There are some other news items as well, some injury news, uh, review some of the Sunday performances as best I can, but I'm definitely going to be giving the trade news top priority and helping me out with that uh, a little bit later on the show fan rag sports greg jewett going to join me and uh, we'll break down some of these trades but the big one really the one we've been waiting for uh for maybe weeks and certainly it seemed like i expected this might have broken on yesterday's show uh but here it is sunny gray is going to be a new york yankee uh, this was, I believe, first reported by Jack Curry of the Yes Network, uh, but it's being uh, reported by all sorts of sources. And yes, I'm, I'm seeing confirmation of that, that uh, Jack Curry was the first to report it. And uh, from Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports, he says that uh, the return, I don't know if this is the full return, uh, is going to include Dustin Fowler, who had that horrific uh, knee injury a few weeks back in his Major League debut. Uh, he's headed to Oakland, so is James, James Caprillion, who is out for the year with Tommy John surgery. And uh, also, I believe Jorge Mateo uh, can try to confirm that later. But uh, big haul. Big, big haul there. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's the full deal or not, but I'll uh, pass that along as is a more information becomes available but uh sunny gray to the yankees it is happening uh lots of other trades most of this uh, i'll get into in depth when uh, greg joins me later on the show but rockies get jonathan lucroy for a player to be named later uh the cubs last night acquired uh former tigers closer justin wilson and alex avila uh in exchange for jaime uh, candelario and isaac paredes Addison Reed earlier today went to the Red Sox for three relief prospects. Francisco Liriano went to the Astros and is expected to join their bullpen. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Adam Rosales traded from the A's to the Diamondbacks. So busy, busy day for Billy Bean. Jeremy Jeffress returning to the Brewers from uh, the Rangers. And I think that's about it in terms of trades uh, today and last night. But I'm sure there's going to be lots more to come and lots of analysis that will be needed, uh, particularly for these bigger ones. So uh, should be a fun show today. Really looking forward to it. We're going to head into break. uh, But when I come back, we'll uh, go over as much news as we can handle here (laughs) in the next segment. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, big, big trade day, deadline day today. Uh, so if you are just joining me now, maybe it's because you were just on Twitter or some other uh, news source and learning about the Sonny Gray trade. So, yes, Sonny Gray going from the Athletics to the Yankees. And, yes, I did see it uh, all over Twitter that uh, the hall going back to Oakland uh, is Jorge Mateo and James Caprillion and Dustin Fowler. That is the deal. Uh, so uh, big, big trade. Uh, maybe the, I was going to say maybe the biggest, uh, I think you Darvish could still be moved. Certainly would be big, big prospects in that one as well. Uh, and I very, very quickly ran through uh, some of the other trades, uh, the, the big ones, Jonathan Lucroy going from the Rockies, uh, or rather from, sorry, rather from the Rangers to the Rockies for a player to be named later. Uh, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila headed to the Tigers. Uh, Addison Reed to the Red Sox. Uh, those are the big ones. Uh, there have been uh, some rumors, uh, a lot of uh, reports today that Brandon Kinsler is receiving a lot of uh, attention on the trade market. I uh, just saw something during the break about um, Joaquin Benoit deriving uh, some interest. So I'm sure we are not done here, and I will uh, try to save plenty of time to get to whatever news comes across. But uh, there are, are some other news items to be attended to. Some injuries as well, so if you can still make lineup changes. Of course, we have the uh, Phillies and Braves uh, that has already uh, started and well underway. Um, but uh, the rest of the schedule, which is a pretty short schedule, uh, taking place tonight. It looks like, what, eight games? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, eight night games starting at 7.05 Eastern with the Yankees featuring Sonny Gray, although not in this particular game. Uh, it's Michael Fulmer and Luis Severino, but uh, eight games total tonight on the slate. Uh, so anyhow, you, if you're in a rolling lineup league, you got plenty of time to uh, maneuver your non-brave and Philly players. So uh, Chris Owings exited yesterday after getting hit by a pitch, a pitch and he suffered a fractured middle finger. So uh, he looks to be out for quite a while. And also, uh, in very sad news, Cattell Marte, he is on the bereavement list. Um, his mother was in a, uh, a car accident uh, and has passed away. So um, uh, that uh, probably had a little something to do with that deal that I talked about uh, in the first segment with the Diamondbacks getting Adam Rosales. But uh, yeah, very sad news uh, for, for Cattell Marte and uh, the Diamondbacks uh, having to contend, contend with that. Um, there was a report that Jim Johnson is out as the Braves closer. 
Uh, that from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, so Rodas Viscaino taking over as what was termed in the report as primary closer, which is a little confusing, I guess. I, that sort of implies that Jim Johnson might still get some safe chances or, or somebody else would. But uh, I, I think for all intents and purposes, Rodas Viscaino sounds like is your Braves closer. So add him to the list of, of players that... Uh, you could target for saves. There's no shortage of them just based on what's happened in the last 48 hours. And that'll be part of what I'll, I'll break down with Greg Jewett just a little bit later on in the show. Um, Cole Calhoun exited Sunday's game early with a hamstring injury. He's scheduled for an MRI today. Josh Tomlin also left his start early. He had a no hitter going through four innings uh, yesterday for the Indians. Um, so he uh, is dealing with tight hamstring, and I've not seen anything further about Tomlin. I'm not even sure if he's he's going to miss a start, but um, you know that, uh, he had a great game going there against the White Sox and uh, left early with that injury. Michael Taylor is scheduled to start a rehab assignment with Class A Potomac tonight, so he's working his way back. Uh, Nationals get a little bit of outfield help there, and Adrian Beltre. Got hit number 3,000, a double on Sunday. So congrats to Adrian Beltre. I think uh, widely assumed to be a future Hall of Famer, and, and rightfully so. And on Hall of Fame induction Sunday, when Tim Raines and Von Rodriguez, uh, Jeff Bagwell, John Schurholtz, and Bud Sillig all got inducted into the hall. And I know there's a lot to get to. I probably should have had the presence of mind to do this on yesterday's show, but I do want to just take one or two minutes, probably about two minutes, to uh, share a story, my my own Tim Raines story. And I thought it was really, really cool uh, that Raines took a couple of minutes out of his speech to uh, to uh, acknowledge Jonah Carey uh, for the, the role that he played in, in helping to make the case for uh, Tim Raines to get in the Hall of Fame. But back in 2001, one of the first interviews I ever did with a, with a ball player was, uh, was with Tim Raines. He was with the Expos. Uh, I was in South Florida. He was uh, with the Expos were visiting the Marlins. And I was at the time uh, an editor for an online magazine uh, that was uh, Orlando-based. So uh, Raines from the Orlando area, I wanted to talk to him while he was in town. And uh, he had just recently recovered from lupus, uh, you know, wanted to talk about just his, his great career. And uh, so I talked to him for probably about 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes. And then Jeff Torborg, who was the Expos manager at the time, tapped me on the shoulder. and He said, do you mind if I take this guy away for a few minutes? And I said, of course, I don't mind. So I sat there for what was probably another 20 minutes or so, um, waiting and waiting wondering if, if Tim Raines was maybe even going to finish the interview. And Raines did come back, spent probably about another 10 minutes finishing the interview. It was fantastic. And I even talked about him uh, and his son, uh, Tim, Rain, Tim Raines Jr., having just made his Major League debut. And uh, so finished the interview, headed out to the parking lot, got in my car, put on sports radio. And one of the first things I heard, Tim Raines had just been traded to the Baltimore Orioles to uh, be united with Tim Raines Jr. and be on the same team. Uh, so that little interruption was Tim Raines getting traded, and yet he came back and graciously finished the interview. So he's just a, a great, great guy, uh, and happy to see him inducted into the Hall of Fame. 
uh, have some news. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that Jeremy Jeffress was going to go back to the Brewers. Well, that's not the only reliever getting reunited with a former team. Joe Smith going to the Cleveland Indians from the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, yet another deal. And also that Red Sox deal to acquire Addison Reed is now official. So a couple of pieces of reliever news there uh, to catch you up on. I don't know what the return is on Joe Smith. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would think if that affects anybody uh, in the Cleveland bullpen, yeah, I'm not sure that it really, I mean, I don't think he's certainly not in the, the mix there. Maybe Brian Shaw gets, gets fewer holds, but uh, I don't think there's a big impact there. Probably opens up some room for somebody in the Blue Jays bullpen to, to get a few more holds, but not, not, not a big fantasy impact there. But Joe Smith back to the Indians. Uh, all right, well, again, that uh, pretty much covers the, the news for right now. I, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more to come, but uh, I'll spend what time I can talking about Sunday's action. And Andrew McCutcheon had a three-homer game, so he's now up to 22 home runs on the season. He also walked a couple of times. This was against the Padres. And McCutcheon now has a 243 ISO, which is the highest of his career. So quite the astounding turnaround after a disappointing and frustrating 2016 season for uh, for Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, so certainly uh, he just keeps getting getting hotter and hotter. And in terms of multiple home runs, few other members of that club, Albert Pools, three for five with his 15th and 16th home runs against the Blue Jays on Sunday. Rugnetto Dorr. Three for four with his 21st and 27th, 22nd home runs of the season. And Ryan Zimmerman, haven't been hearing a whole lot from him lately, but he went three for four with home runs number 23 and 24 against the Rockies at Nationals Park. So those are your multiple home run hitters. But uh, yeah, Zimmerman, that's really encouraging to see. Now he's had two, two home run games. Two games with two home runs, just to be clear about that. Out of the, his last three games that he's played, and this was in the first game of the doubleheader, by the way, yesterday, Zimmerman did not play in the uh, the second game. But prior to Thursday, when he had the first of those two homer games, he had endured a stretch where he hit 217 with just home run over 131 plate appearances. And all that stuff that we heard early in the season about him increasing his launch angle, uh, he decreased it, as you might have guessed, during that uh, protracted slump for Zimmerman. So hopefully he gets back to his early season ways. Anyhow, get back to some of these hitting performances and some pitching ones a little later in the show. But got to go to break and come back with Greg Jewett on the other side to break down all the trades. So stick around. We will be right back. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this show. And my guest for this show, and very frequently on here, a fantastic writer for FanRag Sports, Greg Jewett. And Greg, uh, Greg's here to help me break down all the trade action. I think it's it's really it's too much for one person. So, Greg, I'm really glad uh, you're here to help me out with this. Oh, thank you, Al. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, well, uh, we we got a whopper to talk about here. Uh, I know we want to get to uh, some of the closer impacts, which there's plenty, uh, some catcher situations that are now in flux. But Sonny Gray, got to talk about this one, uh, going from the A's to the Yankees. So, you know, for the last couple of years, a lot of us, you know, fantasy owners, we've complained about the defense behind Sonny Gray. Uh, but now he gets a, a tough park in a really tough division. Uh, it, how how does this balance out in terms of uh, value for him in fantasy? Um, I think it's as uh, the great uh, Eno Saris uh, kind of hinted at the uh, development of this cutter and being able to use that to uh, effectively, hopefully, uh, negate the left-handers that he faces in Yankee Stadium because obviously fly balls are gonna are gonna hurt him more in the Bronx than they would in Oakland. So he's gonna need that pitch to really. Uh, keep his fantasy value going up. I mean, he's going to be much more run support uh, with that Yankee lineup and maybe help him uh, a little bit with a stronger defense behind him. So it's be a matter if he can mitigate the uh, home runs in the home park. I mean, Tanaka and others have been able to kind of overcome it. So uh, Gray with health, you should see an uptick a bit in his fantasy value. And if the, the cutter and the strikeout uh, improvement he's shown of late holds, uh, then it's a solid pickup for uh, obviously the Yankees. And fantasy owners should be intrigued by this. Yeah, intrigued. I, I, you know, I think it's probably roughly a wash to tell you the truth because you you mentioned the run support. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's key, uh, and maybe Gray can uh, you know overcome the element so to speak there. But I'm looking at his splits for this year, and at uh, Oakland Coliseum, he's allowed four runs, or I'm sorry, point four runs, four runs per nine, four home runs per nine innings would be a lot. Uh, Four-tenths of a home run per nine innings, 1.3 per nine on the road. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big, big discrepancy. So hopefully, uh, like you said, he can he can put that cutter to good use and uh, not not get into trouble in, uh, in those home starts. But uh, let, let's get to some of the reliever situations. So you got Justin... Uh, uh, sorry, Justin Wilson on the uh, the move. Almost called him Justin Miller. Uh, Justin Wilson uh, on the move to uh, the Red Sox. Obviously, nobody's supplanting Craig Kimbrell there. Uh, uh, just, I, just, Al, Al, Justin went to the Cubs. Or, I'm sorry, to the Cubs. My bad. Um, and I hope I had that correctly earlier in the show. Uh, no, I did. It was uh, <laughs> Addison Reed to the Red Sox. So we'll get to that situation later. Uh, so Justin Wilson to the Cubs. Uh, that one may be a little, little more intriguing. I mean, I don't expect that Wade Davis is going to get supplanted there. But, uh, you know, first of all, do you think there's any concern there for Wade Davis? I don't think so. I think what what uh, had the Cubs interested is the fact that Wilson, even though he's left-handed, is able to handle uh, hitters from both sides of the plate. 
They'll give them a really nice option to have in the eighth inning and on days where they don't want to overwork Davis. Uh, when you look at how hard the Cubs rode uh, Chapman last offseason, uh, this will give them a little more balance. And, you know, Wilson can step in there on a day if Davis can't work or they just want to keep his workload uh, minimized as the, uh, you know, the playoff and the run approaches for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, now I think the more kind of intriguing situation here in terms of fantasy is back in Detroit. Uh, I have not seen uh, in the last half hour or so anything about this as I've been just, you know, trying to keep up here. Has there been any announcement uh, that you've seen about who's going to emerge there in Detroit as the new closer? There hasn't been, but, um, you know, for, for a couple of weeks, and I know you and I both tracked the bullpens pretty closely. There was a couple of weeks, or about two weeks ago, they were starting to move Rondon ahead of Shane Green, uh, and he was putting up strikeouts, but then a couple of major meltdowns, especially with the last one he had, and he wouldn't talk to the press. Uh, Green's moved back into that eighth inning role. Um, they did promote Joe Jimenez today, but I think that would take time for to develop. He, he should be able to supplant Rondon in the eighth inning eventually. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, but uh, I I don't know if you're in agreement with me, but I would think Shane Green would get the next big chance for the Tigers. I think so, just by default, really. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, and and it's it's a t- it's a tough call because I don't feel like Green has really stepped up to the degree where he's an obvious candidate, but it's it's clearly not Rondon based on what's happened with him in the past week. Alex Wilson, uh, you know, I mean, it just doesn't strike me as a, as a closer. And Jimenez, I think if the Tigers had been ready to promote him, they would have done it when they let K-Rod go. Um, mm-hmm. And they seem to be very, very conservative in terms of his development. So, I, yes, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's it's Shane Green. Um, so, yes, I uh, was incorrectly alluding to before the Red Sox. Now we can get to them. Addison Reed uh, going there uh, to, to set up uh, Craig Kimbrell. But uh, fair to assume right, it's going to be A.J. Ramos closing games in Queens? I would I would think so. I mean, there was no other reason to go get him. I, I, this also allows them not to uh, to rush back. Uh, you know, jeez, uh, I can't even think of his name now. He's been so oh, long. Oh, Jerry's you know, familiar. Yeah, right? Familia doesn't have to rush. They, yeah, they can use Ramos till the end of the season. Familia can just kind of hang out and do workouts on the side. I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who they decide between the two next year because they're very similar in their uh, in their backgrounds and effectiveness. But yeah, it'll, it'll be Ramos moving on out to the end of the year. I can't see them putting Sewell ahead of them. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Um, I've had some people ask me ask about ask ask me about uh, Salas, and absolutely no way I see that happening. A uh, couple of situations that are currently in flux: the Twins, uh, and I mentioned it earlier in the show that Brandon Kinsler is getting a lot of a lot of bites, a lot of interest. Zach Britton, of course, uh, lots of uh, you know uh, rumors there still. Those two could move uh, before the the deadline, which is coming up very very shortly. Um, Assuming they're moved, so this is right now in the hypothetical, who do you think would close in Minnesota and in Baltimore? Uh, well, Baltimore, we already had that with uh, Brad Brock, even though we struggled a little bit of late. I would think he would reascend to the to the ninth inning. As a matter of fact, I own Brock in a couple of uh, – in my home league, and I own him in the NFBC, and I, I didn't cut bait on him just in the hopes that uh, Britain would get traded. Uh, as for Minnesota, I, I don't know about you, but it, it's really hard to read because uh, Rogers has been struggling lately and his left-handedness. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that would 
move to the ninth inning. Uh, the guy I'm kind of watching is almost like a Kinsler-like clone. Uh, you know, Ryan Presley, I know earlier in the, in the season, preseason, we were we were both kind of high on him or Sharkwa maybe getting up there. But uh, Trevor Hildenberger with uh, <laughs> 16 strikeouts in July over his last 14-point win innings pitched. Um, he's not a overpowering guy, but he's a, a sinker changeup guy. And, you know, he could be a poor man's Kinsler. He might be the person to possibly own in an AL-only league. I don't think it would hurt to add him right now with the hopes of possibly getting him there. I mean, I could be as confused as this and you. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, yeah, I think probably Rogers, at least in the short run. That was actually the – I didn't think Kinsler was going to make it this long as the closer. So back in March or even April, uh, I was uh, in, in some deep leagues targeting Rogers, and, and he's, you know – He's still there, <laughs> even like even though you said he struggled lately. So that's the guy I would target. But I've, I've seen some people speculate on on Tyler Duffy. Uh, but yeah, I think Hildenberger is really interesting too. I, I just have to stop getting him confused with Drew Steckenrider, and uh, <laughs> who kind of occupies a similar role in the Marlins bullpen. So yeah, for for me, it would be Rogers at least for right now. But it's I, he's far from the top of the list because of the uncertainty of that situation. I'd certainly be, be much more interested in. Uh, a Blake training or uh, I suppose a Brad Brock, although I, I, I'm concerned maybe he gets traded too, but uh, I think, you know, both of them would uh, be uh, higher for me or for that matter. Uh, one of your favorites, Cam Bedrosian, who uh, I suspect for one reason or another could get the next angel save with either Bud Norris getting traded or getting demoted because he's not been effective lately. Yeah. Those grand slams, man, those add up. <laughs> they do big quickly, very quickly. Uh, well, some catcher situations. Let's go to the other end of the battery here. So you got Alex Avila on the move. On the move. This has been telegraphed for weeks now. Uh, I don't see where he gets playing time with the Cubs. And, and Greg, if you disagree with that, uh, certainly, you know, uh, like to hear your your take on it. But um, I think the bigger issue there is, uh, you know, James McCann. Is he somebody who maybe could be an adequate replacement for Avila? But do do you think Avila needs to be replaced uh, in fantasy? Uh, depending on the league format, I do believe so. I mean, he he's probably going to move into a Montero-like role with getting one, maybe two starts a week max. I mean, Wilson Contreras has just been too hot uh, for Avila to go in there. You know, maybe earlier in the year when Avila was hot as well. Um, but he's he's just like a perfect piece for the the Cubs to fit in there, uh, and get some uh, get some max of bats out in the right matchups when they decide to give Double L the day off. So um, yeah, if he was my only catcher in the league, I'd definitely be looking to to replace them. And in a even in a two catcher league, you know, I think that it it, it warrants replacing him right now. Yeah. Uh, well, Greg, you're you're offering a lot of really good analysis here, but you just made the whole segment worthwhile even with absolutely nothing else, by teaching me that Wilson Contreras should be called double L. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, one last thing, Jonathan Lucroy uh, going to the Rockies for a player to be named later. The the take, you know, which I think is, is, the, is the go-to place is uh, struggling hitter goes to Colorado. This is going to be great for him. Are you buying that narrative? I don't know. You know, it was funny because I was thinking about this this morning and it got me to thinking that in the off season, this would be an interesting thing to track. Because you know, remember, you know, Coors was supposed to help Harada Parra's uh, power bloom last year, and it took him till mm-hmm. this year to do it. Mark Reynolds struggled in his first go around with Colorado. This year, he did much better. I don't know if it takes a year to adjust to the 
to the sea level or what, but, uh, you know, it's bad to pay. <laughs> Luke Cray might do okay, but I don't know. All right, Greg, very quick cut off here. We got to go, but thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you as always, Al. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And uh, thanks again to Greg Jewett from FanRag Sports uh, to help me break down uh, all the trade action and just help me keep straight who's going where because uh, I kind of uh, did a mashup of two different deals there to start off. But uh, uh, thanks uh, very much to Greg uh, for all the the analysis. Uh, more to get to, including another reliever trade. But first, let me just tell you that you can take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Just download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you are jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. And I tried to get through that uh, a little quicker than usual because I'm sure you're you're just uh, on the edge of your seat trying to figure out who was traded. And it's Tony Watson uh, going to the Dodgers. And uh, let me see uh, if I can get any... Well. Uh, I'm sure it'll come across. I've not seen who's going the other way just yet, but uh, Tony Watson going to the Dodgers. Um, and there's just now 20 minutes left before the deadline. So this could be a little hairy uh, for the uh, the rest of this uh, hour. Try to keep up as best that I can, but uh, we shall see. And actually one more. The Diamondbacks have acquired David Hernandez. Uh, this is uh, at least the third reliever reunion uh, that uh, we've had this hour. And uh, that is actually, I'm seeing this from Bernie Pleskoff of FanRag Sports. Um, and uh, Andy McCullough, I don't know if he was first with that Tony Watson, but I'm seeing him reporting that on Twitter as well. So relievers just flying off the shelves here. Um, anyway, I'm sure there'll be a lot more. I'll get back to it as soon as I can. But uh, I mentioned... Before, we were talking with Greg Jewett uh, about some of the standout hitting performances. Uh, and uh, there were just a few others worthy of note. Now, I made reference to Bud Norris. Uh, and Greg said, yeah, the Grand Grand Slams add up fast. Yesterday's came courtesy of Steve Pierce. He went two for four, both with the Grand Slam. That's his 10th home run of the year. He also had his eighth double of the year. Uh, so Pierce has been getting pretty steady play there in the Blue Jays outfield. And after a little bit of a slow start with the bat, showing more of the form that we, uh, you know, we've seen from him uh, in, in recent years. And uh, Wilmer Defoe, I don't know how much longer he's going to be getting some regular play, 
but he's been really hot for the month of July, batting 391 with three homers and two stolen bases. One of those home runs came on Sunday against the Rockies. Uh, he went four for eight in that combined double header. Uh, and I think the home run came in the first game, and in the second game he had a triple. That was his second of the season. Justin Upton went four for five with a grand slam in that route by the Tigers against the Astros, also hit his 30th double of the year. Talked about James McCann. He went three for four on Sunday in that same game, and over his last nine games, as he has been picking up more and more playing time, uh, has gone 14 for 31 for a 452 batting average with that one home run, but also four doubles. So McCann's a nice power source, and it seems like I can't really talk about catchers on the show without talking about how many of them really can provide you with good power, but the rarity is one who can also hit for average. I'm not sure McCann is going to be able to separate himself that way, but he's certainly one that hits for power. And one catcher situation that I did not get to with Greg Jewett that I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, talk about him at some point on this show is with uh, Jonathan Lucroy leaving Texas. That does leave the starting job very clearly to Robinson Chirinos, uh, who got more playing time, I think, than we certainly would have anticipated uh, this year, given that Lucroy was starting the year as the, as the starting catcher. But with Lucroy's struggles, uh, Chirinos, in, in somewhat limited time, has really been very productive. So he's that's just going to continue. Now, this is somebody who is probably not going to hit a whole lot more than 220. But uh, Chirinos, he's a big-time pole hitter, lots of fly balls, good amount of power there. So with that 220 average over the last couple of months, you could possibly see 10 home runs. I'm not, uh, I think that's pretty much the upside, the ceiling, but I think that's, that's a ceiling that's, that's achievable with greater playing time for Chirino. So there's lots of places you can get home run power from catcher, but that right now would, would stand out to me as a, a player that is, is very much worth targeting. I'd say more so even than James McCann. So, uh, just going to take a, a quick look here at the Twitter machine and make sure I haven't missed anything uh, uh, yet here because now we are down to 16 minutes left and I have not seen anything new there. Uh, there were a number of pitching performances that were worth taking note of and particularly in the uh, Giants-Dodgers game, we had... Uh, a duel that produced the exact same line. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner and Hunjin Ryu both shut out the opposition for seven innings. Uh, they both gave up five hits. They both allowed one walk. They both got seven strikeouts. I've seen that be close to happening a number of times. I don't know that I've ever seen identical lines like that before. But notable for both pitchers. One for, for Ryu because he made it seven innings and he's had a lot of starts lately. He's been pretty good lately, but a lot of five inning starts or five in, in, a, in a fraction uh, going seven against the, the, uh, the Giants. And uh, over the last five starts, a 260 ERA with 30 strikeouts in 27 and two thirds innings. So if he can continue to go deeper into games, and I understand the Giants are one of the more friendly opponents for a pitcher to face. But uh, you know, you, you you take what you can get, and we'll see if we can if he can continue to uh, go deeper into games against some other opposition. And then Bumgarner, uh, just really so-so results since coming off the DL with diminished velocity. It was up almost a tick 
in this one, uh, up just under 91 miles per hour for his average fastball velocity. So not not all the way back, but moving in the right direction. And 23 called strikes out of 99 pitches, which is exceptional. However, only eight swings and misses. But this is the Dodgers, so I give this a little bit of weight, and maybe Bumgarner just isn't going to be a guy who gets a lot of swings and misses this year, but is able to make do with somewhat lesser stuff and still succeed. This is certainly a big, big step in the right direction for uh, for Madison Bumgarner. Um, Luis Castillo in a revenge game, if you can call it that, against the Marlins, who traded him as part of that package for Dan Straley, went up against Dan Straley and outdueled him. And Straley had a, a nice start in his own right, but Castillo was better. He went eight innings, just one run on three hits and a walk with six strikeouts against the Marlins. So Castillo starting to build some consistency, looking like a potential ace for that uh, that Reds rotation that, that really needs one. So uh, with each start, Castillo seems a little bit safer. And R.A. Dickey, I've talked about, in fact, I talked about him on Sunday's show because that start was in progress during the show, and I, I had said I view this latest start against the Phillies as a litmus test for Dickey, who had been very, very good for about a month and a half, and then had a, 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 just a so-so start, and um, and then a, a pretty bad start. But against the Phillies, we saw the good good uh, R.A. Dickey, 7 Innings, no earned runs, one unearned run on six hits and three walks with eight strikeouts, 16 swings and misses. And here's the one, actually, the, the stat that I wanted to see from Dickey through 48% of his pitches in the strike zone. And in that previous start uh, that went awry for him, it was, I believe, under 40%, maybe well under 40%, if I recall. Um, so good to see Dickey with that good control back. And uh, likewise for Carlos Rodon, six and two-thirds with just two walks and nine strikeouts against the Indians, one run on six hits. His last three starts in a row, the results haven't always been good, but in his last three starts in a row, Carlos Rodon has been in the zone at a 45% rate or higher. And in this particular one against the Indians, I think it was right around 48%. So that's a very, very good trend for Rodon. As long as he's got his control working, he should be just fine uh, over the long haul. Uh, But the one pitcher that uh, I definitely was watching very closely, was watching him closely in his previous start against the Orioles that didn't go well, got the, the Tigers in this one. That's Lance McCullers. And in a start that for for much of it, actually, it looked like he was starting to rebound. In the end, it was the same problems for McCullers, which is poor control, too many walks, four walks in five innings, just four strikeouts, eight hits, uh, and five runs over those uh, five innings for Lance McCullers and what ultimately turned out to be a rout uh, against the Astros. So Lance McCullers, unfortunately, I thought maybe he was working his way. It would really only take one very good start against a very good opponent to get me believing in McCullers again because I, I do think there's going to be a rebound at some point. But we did not see it, unfortunately, on Sunday in Detroit for McCullers. So I think you still got to keep him benched. Got to stash him, but I think you got to keep him uh, keep him benched in uh in whatever uh, formats you own him, even even some of the shallower ones. So we are now down to less than 10 minutes to the trade deadline. You Darvish, as far as I know, still out there. Brandon Kinsler, 
uh, Zach Britton. So maybe over this break coming up, maybe some news will break. Uh, but I will be back for uh, one final segment here and uh, wrap up this uh, wild and woodenfully uh, trade deadline day. So don't go anywhere. Could be a very exciting final segment. I'll be right back. It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREE RADIO at checkout for a very special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Vandalay Industries version of Fantasy Baseball on FanRag, also known as FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Uh, also known as the Trade Deadline Edition. We are down to five minutes left. And uh, during the break, I saw that both you, Darvish, and Justin Verlander sent out tweets uh, indicating that they had not gone anywhere. Uh, in fact, the Tigers, uh, is now reported, the Tigers are done trading. Uh, so nobody's going, not Verlander, not Ian Kinsler, not uh, Jose Iglesias. Have not seen anything uh, at all about you, Darvish, other than his own tweet saying 10 minutes to go. Uh, I am now seeing that uh, Mark Feinsand of MLB.com says it's doubtful that the Angels are going to trade Bud Norris, uh, that David Hernandez is likely to uh, be the, the only reliever on the move there. So I don't know. Again, I uh, would stick by my guns and say that uh, Cam Bedrosian is at least worth a speculative pickup just uh, based on, uh, on uh, you know, how Norris has performed lately. And now we've got both Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman tweeting out. Uh, sources say that Padres want to hold their hand, Brad Hand, that is. We've all been having lots of fun with the Brad Hand puns. So Brad Hand not going anywhere, and that uh, is super relevant for those looking for saves because uh, Tyler Yates has been – a, uh, a a popular speculation target uh, lately, but um, appears that Brad Hand is going to remain and uh, be the uh, Padres closer for the time being. I mean, I suppose they could always try to work out a deal, uh, you know, uh, during August, but uh, I would think that'd be pretty unlikely. And again, Hand is controllable through the, uh, I think it's the 2019 season. So uh, they can certainly, uh, 
And I'm sorry, I think I just called Kirby Yates Tyler Yates. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, names that I'm mangling on the show today. I apologize, but Kirby Yates uh, now really very very speculative. I think Brad Hand is is the the reliever to go after in San Diego since he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Uh, in the midst of all of the trades and trade talk, uh, not really dealt with lineups and weather at all. The good news is that there is no major chance of precipitation anywhere for tonight's games. As far as lineups go, the only thing that I've seen is that Anthony Rendon is out of the Nationals lineup. I don't think he's being traded. In fact, I'm sure he's not being traded. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, Anthony Rendon, not in the Nationals lineup tonight. Uh, you've got Adrian Sanchez at third base. And talked about Wilmer Defoe earlier in the show. He's back in there at shortstop. Uh, Sanchez has played a little bit of, of shortstop, but he's over at third base tonight. Otherwise, uh, nothing that I've seen in any of the lineups, and most of them are out now, uh, nothing that indicates anything strange or odd with any trades brewing. So as we uh, wind down here with less than two minutes to go, the deadline, you Darvish, Zach Britton, uh, all the others uh, seem to be in place. So uh, there's always sometimes a, a stray trade or two that kind of uh, comes down just after the deadline. So uh, I'm sure you'll stay plugged into your news sources uh, beyond the end of the show, which is coming rapidly in just seconds, actually. So I will just leave you with this note that tomorrow on the show, I'm going to have Molly Knight, uh, who is going to help me break down whatever the Dodgers did or didn't do <laughs> over the next couple of minutes. Uh, really looking forward to having Molly on the show. Should be great and uh, be able to break down whatever uh, trades uh, are, are left to happen here. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, hope you had fun hearing some of these trades uh, go down as they happen. And good luck to you this week. Uh, and uh, on that note, I hope, uh, hope it's a good one for you. And stay tuned for On Target. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>